In a world where it seems like there is so much going wrong, I want you to see the people who spend their lives doing good. Welcome to the Doing Good Podcast, where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way. And today we have Dr. Paul Jenkins on the podcast. With Dr. Paul, you get increased engagement, productivity, and happiness. You are about to hear from a speaker who knows the science and presents it in an engaging and fun way. Principles of the gospel are explained from a psychological perspective in a way that makes immediate difference in personal, family, and professional lives. It's like having an owner's manual for your brain when you can actually read, understand, and apply. Dr. Paul lives in Orem with his eternal companion, Vicki. They are the parents of three sons, one daughter, and five, yeah, five grandchildren so far. Both Dr. Paul and his wife served missions in Finland and continue to enjoy speaking Finnish as their secret language. That's so fun. He has served twice as bishop, currently serves as elders quorum president in his ward in Orem. He loves puzzles, hiking, basketball, and playing with grandkids. Dr. Paul has just under 300,000 subscribers and is the only psychologist on YouTube <laughs> with the personality. So welcome to Doing Good, Dr. Paul. Thank you, Carmen. So good to be here with I'm you. I'm so glad to have you on here. So Finnish seems like a really difficult language to learn. Well, it's the second easiest one I've ever learned. <laughs> but I only speak two. As you only speak two. Yeah. It, well, it's got a reputation for that, actually. It does. Yeah. And so were you wanting, to, when you were called on your mission to Finland, was learning the language optional? Or were you like, did they encourage you to, to learn the language? That is the language of the mission. Okay. So, so you have to. <laughs> you had to learn it. Yep. That, and your sweet wife learned it too. How did she pick it up? Same way. Same way. There's only two good reasons to learn Finnish, Carmen. Yeah. Either you're a Finnish baby or a Mormon missionary. That's so funny. No one else is like, <laughs> right. not learning Finnish for any other reason. Well, and, and I just heard that Finland is gorgeous and beautiful and stunning. And I would oh, love to go there someday. Absolutely. So let's talk, Paul, Dr. Paul about how you have been doing good. So you are on YouTube right now and you have 300,000 subscribers, subscribers, which is not a tiny amount. That is amazing. Tell us some of the things that you do on YouTube, some of the content that you create that is doing good out there. Is it gospel-based? Is it more like psychology for kids and teens? What is the channel? What is it about? Well, and I realized as you were introducing me, Carmen, that that's a little dated now. Oh, okay. I did a fireside for our turtle house last Thanksgiving-ish time frame, and we had just under 300,000 subscribers. We have over 360,000 now. Oh, that's amazing. That's a big jump. So it continues to grow, and it's... It's really mind-boggling to me. We have fifteen to 20,000 views every day. Wow. Of our videos. Wow. You think about it. I, we live fairly close to Brigham Young University, and there's a facility there called the Marriott Center. Yep. And it's a big arena, and that's where they, they play the NCAA basketball games and big events are held there. You're familiar with it. Oh, sure. And I picture that it seats roughly 20,000 people. And I picture that place completely filled every day, listening to me. What's up with that? That is, and what a responsibility, I'm sure you feel, yeah. of creating good content for these people that are excited to tune in and want to know what you have to say. So what, what kinds of things do you talk about on the channel? So it's called Live On Purpose TV. And that has a nice little double meaning. It means that you have a purpose and then you engage in it intentionally. I love that. Live on purpose. We have a mission here at Live on Purpose to save and enrich your seven key relationship through proven principles of positive psychology. So I'm a professional psychologist. Yes. And you hear all the time, just think positive. Right. Right. Yeah. Be really annoying. 
for sure, especially if you're in a bad mood. You're like, now I for sure am not going to think positive. I'm going to think even more negatively. Yeah, I'm positive that things suck or whatever. Yeah. Right? yeah. It, it can be annoying because it gets thrown out there as this trite, fluffy phrase that people don't even understand. I'm a professional psychologist and I've, I've committed my career to identifying the processes that are going on in our mind that help us to understand what positivity is all about. And then we apply that to our seven key relationships, one of which is our relationship with our kids. Now, it, for everybody who's listening who's a parent. Yeah, I need to learn more about that one. Well, this is the one that caught the most attention on YouTube. So our number one video for four years running now, how to get your kids to listen without yelling. Oh, that would be a miracle. <laughs> I mean, as a mom, that you can relate to that, right? For sure. And, and so these, these videos that we've been putting out, the parenting videos are the ones that have picked up the most momentum and, and garnered the most subscriptions and viewers. Wow. And I think it's because people are just desperate to find more positive approaches, a, a way of doing the most important job in the world. Yes. Without violating some of the principles that we're committed to. Sure. Yeah. Seems and so that's why I think we got as much attention as we have there on YouTube, but we're just sharing principles that allow people to get different outcomes in those key relationships, like with our kids, for example. And I think people are really thirsty for that. You know, there's enough negativity and pessimism and yeah. fear and doubt out there. You know, with the pandemic, for example, I've noticed there's a, a second pandemic of poisonous pessimism. Yeah. Oh, sure. And it just traps people. And I think we're raising a generation to be afraid of their own shadow in a lot um, of ways. You know, what's funny about that is my kid, I've noticed lately calling each other names and or saying things like that is so dumb. Are you kidding me? That's so stupid. What an idiot, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And I'm like, where are you guys picking this up? Oh, from me. I like over the last little like, Ouch. oh, that's so dumb. That stupid car. Can't believe you cut me off. What an idiot. Like all the time I say things that I don't even realize. Oh, my kids are listening and picking those up. I'm like, where are you hearing that? Those bad words. And it's yep. honestly like a hard look in the mirror. It's from me saying, this is so stupid. Oh my gosh, I burned the dinner. I'm such a dummy. I mean, all those things that I don't even realize have been yep. just negative that I say on a day-to-day -day basis. And then they in turn say them to each other or, oh, this homework assignment's so stupid. I can't do it. And just talking negatively. I'm like, oh my goodness, how Dr. Paul, do you break that cycle if it's sometimes even just like unconscious that we're doing it? Right. Part of my job as a psychologist is to illuminate the obvious. So think about this. I get paid to tell people things they already know, which is really awesome. But there's obvious things that are completely unnoticed. Yeah. Like, like your clothing. Can you feel it now? And, and you can now that I've mentioned it, right? Yeah, yep, yep. It's obvious you can feel it. It's very obvious, but you didn't notice it until I called it to your attention. Yep. Or the fact that we're speaking English. Did you notice? Right. <laughs> also obvious, but we just turn these things out because our brain gets programmed, okay? And whatever we're programmed with seems normal to us. Right. We were chatting earlier. You asked me about Finnish and, and speaking Finnish. My wife and I are both fluent in Finnish. We have a lot of friends in Finland. It's, it's part of our family culture because we both served LDS missions in Finland. Yeah. And it's not natural to most people to hear or speak Finnish. Right. For our Finnish friends, it's totally natural. It just, it's like English is to us, right? right. The programming. So remember that whatever we're programmed with 
is going to come very naturally to us. And the folks who programmed us didn't give us any choice. Right. And it's, it, it, you see how it applies to language, but how do we relate to ourselves? Yeah. Or how do we interact with our kids? So see, all of those things are programmed in and our programming is what's going to come naturally to us. We can reprogram, but it's kind of like learning a new language. Right. Yep. So you I want to become more positive, for example, but your programming is a little on the negative side. You've got some work to do to reprogram your brain. And we can totally do that. I, as a psychologist, this is the good news, okay? We can reprogram. Awesome. That is good news. The bad but news? It, it's kind of like learning Finnish. Yeah. It's going to take some effort and work. Yeah. Yeah. Or playing a musical instrument. You're very musical, Carmen. It doesn't just happen. You have to work on it and oh, yeah. the skill sets for it. Yep. Yep. And yes, you can have some natural talent to which you add your efforts and your work, and then you can get a completely different result. It's so, not magic. It's not, it's not luck. It's not magic. It's not luck, but it, it, it is a work. And so what would be, okay, step one of creating a more positive mindset in your life. Let's illuminate the obvious for a minute, okay? Okay. It, this is a fun game for me. I love to help <laughs> people see what's already going on in their mind. And okay. one of the things I'd like to call to your attention is a process called metacognition. Okay. Now, that's a fancy psychological word. When you break it down, cognition means thinking. Metacognition is a little higher level. It's thinking about thinking. Okay. <laughs> now, notice for a moment that you can do this. Right. Be careful with it. You can hurt yourself. <laughs> but notice that you can think about your own thinking. This is really good news because metacognition creates a little space. And in that space is where choice exists. Let me, let me say that again. Metacognition creates a space. In that space is where choice exists. And until we see it as a choice, it's not. We just roll with our programming. Okay. Okay. Now, understanding that, turn on the metacognition, and I'll just share with you just really quickly, because this is powerful, okay? A model that I've developed that helps us to see two processes that are going on in our mind all the time. And they're totally obvious. You're going to see them as soon as I call them to your attention. But until you become aware of them, they, they're just completely unnoticed. It's okay. automatic. Your brain is already doing it. Okay. Okay. So here's the first one. It's, I call it evaluation. Okay. Meaning judgment. Okay. Now, I want you to notice something. You are constantly judging. Aren't you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I guess I am. Like situations, people. Become, become aware of it. You're judging yourself. Yep. You judge your family. Yep. You judge your kids. You judge the economy, the government. You judge the pandemic. You judge people in your neighborhood. That's true. You judge your circumstances all the time. Yep. You're That's judging true. me. <laughs> it's cool. I'm judging you. <laughs> that is so that. interesting. Yeah. Yes. Now, the, and it's not a bad thing. Okay. The word judgment sounds so harsh, but I call it evaluation. In fact, Carmen, I've done a a visual model of what I'm talking to you about. Oh, awesome. Which is really interesting on an audio production. Right. But I've, I've got a PDF copy of this for anyone who's listening. Just go to drpauljenkins.com. That's spelled with a D-R. And then remember the name of this show, okay? Forward slash doing good. Awesome. DrPaulJenkins.com slash doing good. I'll, I'll put a free copy of this visual model right in your inbox. I love it. And this, 
this helps because when you can visualize what we're talking about, evaluation implies comparison with some standard. Okay. Yeah. True. You know, wrap your head around that for a sec. Like sometimes when I'm speaking or whatever, I'll, I'll ask my audiences, am I a tall man? Carmen, you and I have never met, I don't think yet. Right. And you're staring at a little black box because I'm not even ready for the day. So you don't even know really what I look like. (laughs) Because you've done a little evaluation of your appearance and you've included some things about that. That's true. That's true. I got surgery a few days ago. I'm like, I look like death and I don't think Paul wants to talk to a cadaver. So I'm going to just put my little black box on and not my face. And that's true. I judged how I look and I'm all, yeah, nope. So just notice now compared to what? All right. This is the evaluation process. We, we take whatever it is. So it might be our appearance. It might be our health. It might be our relationship. It might be our finances, whatever. And we say, what's my judgment or my evaluation of this? Now we don't say that consciously, but our mind is constantly evaluating. How am I doing? Yep. Okay. And then to answer that, we have to have a comparative standard. So when I ask my audience, Am I a tall person? They're looking at me like, well, yeah, I guess. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so would it help if I showed you a picture of me? I put up a picture of me next to Mark Eaton. Oh, yeah. You remember Big Mark? We yep. lost him last year. And what a loss. Seven foot four. Okay. I'm six foot two. Yeah. But yeah, compared to him, they'd say, oh, no, you're not very tall. Well, compared to most people, I'm pretty tall. But compared to most people, you are. But compared to Mark Eaton, I'm a shrimp. Right. So just notice that. Okay. Judgment and comparison. So the comparison is what allows you to make the evaluation. You with me? Yes. Okay. Now, if you you guys have picked up a, a visual copy of the model, you can follow along. There's a line right in the middle that says what it is. Okay. It is what it is. Now you've heard that phrase before, and that can be annoying depending on who's saying it. Yep. Usually my mom. But all it means is the way things are. Okay. So you take your what it is. I put that right in the middle of the model. Okay. And evaluation is the first thing that our brain is going to do with what it is. Okay. So let's, let, let's use me as a model because I'm really super interested in this. So, like I said, I got, I'm pretty much an open book. And so I, I have no problem talking about things for me. I feel like authenticity is the way I relate to people and connect with them. Sometimes my husband's like, close your book. They don't need to know everything. Close your book. <laughs> but, but, but I'm pretty open. So I just, I just got surgery. I, I had a stump. It was a full abdominoplasty. So basically tummy tuck. I had my muscles all sewn back together that I had a big separation from having all my four beautiful babies and my hernias repaired and all my extra skin removed. So I am literally talking to you with bandages and two drains propped up in bed with a thousand pillows in pain. So it's about a six week recovery. I'm on this. I'm this is I'm almost made it to one week and I'm going crazy. And honestly, Dr. Paul, it's really hard. And my voice is scratchy because of the tube they put down my throat for anesthesia. It kind of irritated things. And I'm a singer and I'm frustrated with that, that I don't have a voice. I'm a podcast host. I don't have a voice. So I'm pretty, I will be honest, I am in a pretty negative mindset right now. I can't take care of my kids. The house is a complete disaster while I literally just lay in bed and watch everything fall apart around me while I recover. So it's been, I've been in a very negative mindset and it's hard to think, well, what is positive about this? Yes, I'm so grateful for my surgery that I will have a body that will serve me and move better and not hurt me anymore. Right. Although it's hurting me a lot right now. But how do I use this? Okay, the judgment, like, okay, let's just be conscious and and say, okay, what you know, it is what it is. And I compared to like my mom, for example, who's over here walking and healthy and happy and helping me. Okay, I am not. I can't move as fast as her. I'm not as happy as her. That's my comparison right now. My judgment. I was deadbeat in bed. So now. Memory. Yes. Carmen. And you remember moving freely and easily about. Yes. And not having to literally take five minutes to get myself out of bed. 
and carry my drains to the bathroom. Right. So, so, okay. So that's first step. What do I do from here? What would you say for me? If this is the model for me. So let's go, let's go to the model. It is what it is. It is what it is. The way things are right now without changing anything. Yes. Okay. It's who you are. It's what you have. It's what you've been through. It's how you feel. It's the way things are without changing it. Yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is. I, as you were talking, Carmen, I tell my clients all the time, your circumstances, your what it is, is neutral. Okay. Now, when I say that, I do not mean that it's painless or easy. Because sometimes your circumstances, your what it is, is difficult and painful. Yeah. But when I say it's neutral, what I mean is that it's always, you know, Carmen, my editor tells me to always avoid the word always and never use the word never. (laughs) Yes. But what it is, the way it is, is always between better and worse. Okay. By your own judgment, meaning that no matter how bad things seem, it could always be. Yes. Worse. worse. True. Very true. Absolutely. You're sure that's true? 100% positive. In fact, it, it, it's made me think about my sweet friend, Meg Johnson, who is one of the founders of our turtle house, who we love. And, and she just had a baby and is in a wheelchair. And like, I, it, I mean, I'm out in bed, but at least I can get up and walk sometimes. At least I, I can right. pick up my children and hold them sometimes. And she can't She's because she's in a wheelchair. So I've thought a lot about her and her circumstance. And yes, that, that, that would be much harder than what I'm dealing with, as hard as this has been for me. A, a dear friend of mine who served as a counselor when I was serving as a bishop in the church had a stroke. Oh man! Uh, two months ago, he cannot speak. Oh, that's awful. The right side of his body. Wow. Yep. Yep. That's awful. I'm a podcaster too, and on my show, Live on Purpose Radio, I featured a young man several years ago named Gabriel Adams. I don't know if you've run into Gabe. This will give you a clue, though. The name of that episode title: No arms, no legs. Oh my goodness. No problem. Oh, wow. I mean, his attitude is just phenomenal. And I'm like, Gabe, how do you do everything you do without arms? And he's like, how do you do it with arms? I've never tried that. That is amazing. It's his circumstance, right? Right. It's all he knows. And so notice this. What it is, no matter what it is, however painful, difficult, pleasant, or easy it might be, it could always be better by your own judgment right it could always be worse right yep so so when we judge what it is it's just like asking am i a tall man well compared to who or compared to what right so how are you doing carmen now this is a trick question yeah because compared to being up and running around with your kids this sucks right and you're never wrong about how you feel. In fact, you're always right about how you feel. We right. Compare what you've got to something better. You feel worse about what you've got. True. Yeah. Is this heavy science? Right. <laughs> and, well, and it seems kind of obvious, though. Like, of course, of course, some people have it better. And of course, some people have it worse. Yeah. But but how does that change my mindset yet? Like, but yeah, I, I'm still. I, I still feel pretty crappy right now. You still have pain. You still yep. have difficulty. And welcome to Earth. It's kind of how we roll here. Right. True. I, I love the way Tim Hansel put this. He said, pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. I know. But it's hard when you're in pain to be like, but I exactly. chose this. But this is some. this will teach me a lesson. This is all about mortality and I'll get better. It, that's hard to be like. Yes, I know logically, but when you're, but when you're in it, it's, it's hard. Yes. And I'll give you a brain hack. I'm going to hold off on that for just a minute as we acknowledge that our judgment 
of where we are, how we are, what we have, uh, our evaluation of that is constantly on. We can't turn it off. It's kind of like gravity. Yeah. We can get up and think, oh, I wonder if gravity's on today. Right. It seems to be, right? Right. And so as we, as we experience whatever it is that we have, whether it be painful or pleasant, whether it be difficult or easy, it is what it is. It could always be better. It could always be worse. Right. Why is that important? Yes, tell me. Because we don't always get to choose what it is. Right. Some of that just lands in your lap. Have you noticed? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. At, uh, I was in a co- at a conference in Nashville. I was telling you this before we started the recording. Yes. Just last week, and one of my colleagues there was burned over 90% of his body. Oh, my goodness. He gets to have a permanent alteration of his appearance. Right. As a result of the scars. And I think he's up to like 50 surgeries now. Oh, I can't even see. I cannot even imagine that. Actually, Carmen. Yes, you can. (laughs) You can imagine it. That's true. You haven't experienced it. But as I share that with you, how do you feel about your current circumstances? Oh, so much better. Right? Right. Notice. This is really important because there's a lot of people out there just just think positive as if they know what they're even talking about. Yep. I'm a psychologist. I want you to see what your brain is doing. Okay. What you do with it after that is totally up to you. I'm not saying you should think differently. I'm not here to tell you how to think. I don't have that kind of authority. I just want you to see that you are. Okay. You know where I learned this? I mean, personally, it's, I'm a psychologist. I've studied this. I've developed the models, but where I got to really learn it is when I went through a bankruptcy. Oh man. Carmen, I wasn't planning that. I didn't sign up for it. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, pick me. Right. It's some of our circumstances land in our laps. Okay. Now, is that a bad thing? Is it a good thing or is it just a thing? It's just a thing. Exactly. Would I trade that for what you're going through or my friend who was burned or Gabriel Adams with no arms or no legs or my friend who went through a stroke? I don't know. It's all just stuff, right? Yeah. It all is what it is. Now, noticing it puts us in a position of choice. You don't have to think differently. But when you see that it's an option, that creates the power of choice. And that's why I said metacognition creates a space, and that space is where choice exists. You do not have to think differently. Let me get to that brain hack, okay? Because you're going to see something like this. Okay. Gratitude is the brain hack. Yep. Right? And, And here's how it works. You take your... What it is, whatever it is, okay? For you, post-op recovery. Okay, yep. For Gabe, no arms and no legs. For my friend who went through a stroke, it's stroke recovery. Okay, for me, it was bankruptcy. Whatever it is, you take your what it is and you ask this. What is there here to be grateful for? Or what am I sincerely grateful for in, from, or because of this? Okay. Now, what's your brain doing? Yeah, it's thinking about the positive things about my surgery. Everything. What? You mean there are some positive things about this? (laughs) For sure. I mean, it was an elective surgery. I wanted to do it to help ultimately, you know, help my body have a a better life in my body that I have right now. Yes. Actually, I'm going to come right back to that process, too. Notice when we ask this question, now it's really important that we keep it as a question, all right? Because a lot of times when people say, well, what is there to be grateful for in this? It's not even a question. It's a statement disguised as a question. Right. What they're really saying is this is bad. There's nothing to be grateful for here. Sure. But if we turn it back into a question, what is there to be grateful for from this? 
and it's really a question and we humble ourselves enough to really ask that, I guarantee you will find an abundance of things to be grateful for from this because of this. So what about, Dr. Paul, what would you say, though, to people that have maybe lost a child or or lost a spouse like in death like this is yes this is a trial but come on it's I I mean I I got plastic surgery to help my body feel and look better Mm -hmm. yes it's painful and and hard and my emotions have been all over the place but I did not lose a child I, I did not lose a spouse those kinds of trials those kinds of things how how do you use that model for this okay I'm grateful that I'm sealed to to my son who died. Hypothetically, he didn't. He did not. And I'm just speaking hypothetically. I'm grateful that we're sealed together. We can be together forever. Or I'm grateful that I have a ward family that cares about me and shows up and is helping carry me through this. Yes, those are wonderful things. But the fact remains, something really awful happened, and my brain, because of how my brain works, will go right back to that negative but my son has died. Yeah. So is it how is it something that you just have to constantly be doing or are there some things that do you think this model can truly work for any negative situation? It, to call it a negative situation reveals something about your prejudging of it. Death for example, I have found is universal. Spoiler alert, nobody gets out of this alive. Right. So either you are going to lose some people or they're going to lose you. It depends on who lasts the longest. Right. Is this true? It's true. So we have a cultural definition of things like that as being bad or terrible. When really what we mean is they are extremely painful and we read in the scriptures, if we live together in love, we're going to experience some pain when we lose them. Yes. So that's an indicator that you're doing it right. Look, if you lose your child, for example, and you don't feel pain, it's because you didn't choose to love this kid while they were around. Right. Now we can get into all the psychology around that, but notice that we call those things bad when really they're painful. And they're, different. they're not the same thing. They're not. Pain is necessary. There's a condition called congenital analgesia. This is when children are born without the sensation of pain. They can't feel pain. Interesting. And these kids are at high risk for injury. Yeah. Pain serves us well. It's an important part of our makeup. It's not pleasant. That's why we call it pain. <laughs> it's, it's not pleasant to feel it, but it's an essential part of our eternal makeup. We have to feel pain. Yeah. And if you choose to love people, you're going to experience some pain. That means you're yeah. doing it right. Now, I know I'm taking a little different approach to this, but this is part of the reprogramming that happens. When yeah. We- When we immediately assume that something is bad because it's painful, we miss out on all of the rich and abundant experiences that also come with it. I'm thinking about an interview I did with Chris Williams. You remember Chris? Oh, yeah. He's amazing. Yes. What an inspiring man and inspiring story. And for those of you listeners who don't know, he he was T-boned with his family, driving their car and Boom, 70 miles an hour, they get T-boned by an SUV. It immediately killed four members of his family. Chris survived that. Yep. And pain? Oh, yeah. Yes, extreme pain. And look at the rich abundance that has come from that experience because of what Chris chose to do with it. Now, and and that leads me to the next step. Carmen, this will help to round it out, okay? Okay. We do evaluation all the time. We are constantly judging our circumstances, our relationship, everything. Okay. Just notice that you're doing it. And when we compare what we've got to, to our imagination of something that we think would be better, we feel worse about what we've got. 
Yeah. When we compare what we've got to something that is worse than what we've got, then we feel pretty good about what we've got. Right. Okay. In comparison, now I'm not saying it takes away all the pain or the difficulty. A lot of times it doesn't. But now let's move to the next process because we're not done yet. Our mind is also constantly, you can't turn this off any more than you can turn off evaluation or gravity. This is going to happen as well. And I labeled it creation here on the model. So if you've got the visual, look at the top, creation. And I'm talking of what is to be. And that doesn't exist yet because we haven't created it yet. But we have to create something. And the, the tricky part is we don't know what's coming. Yeah. If I were to ask you, how to do it next week? Right. I don't know yet. Don't know. You've got something to do with it. Please don't forget that part. But you don't know. Right. As a creative being, spiritually, I believe that we are literally the offspring of the Supreme Creator. And if that is true, what does that make us? Creators. Right. Notice it's not that we can become creators someday. We already are. We are. Just like a puppy is already a dog. So we have to create something. What if I gave you an assignment for today? Carmen, what if I gave you an assignment to take a half hour? That's all I'm giving you. Half hour. Somehow make your life worse. For a half hour. <laughs> could you do it? I probably could. <laughs> probably? I probably could. You absolutely could. Yes. And just look where your brain goes with that. Now, you'd never do this on purpose. Right. No. We do it accidentally all the time. But notice how quickly your amazing mind, the one that we're talking about here, your amazing mind can come up with half a dozen ways to pull. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking about what I would do. Yep. Yeah. It wouldn't even take a half hour, would it? No. Now, I, I call that to your attention so that you'll be very, very aware of your ability to create. Now, in this case, it's pretty obvious that you can make a mess. Yep. Right? Sure. Oh, yeah. Yes. Now, this is good news because if you can make a mess, you can make. And that is excellent news. Now, what we make, that's up to our imagination. Okay. You're, you're an artist. Before you create anything, you have to first think of it or imagine it. Oh, yeah. That's one of the most rewarding things as an artist is to think of something in my mind, think of a song, think of lyrics, come up with something and then hear it played back to me on the radio it was like that started in my brain. And now here it is. That's amazing. Thoughts become things. Yes. So what we imagine matters. Right. Focus on the feelings for a minute, Carmen. When you imagine or predict or expect or anticipate that what's coming is even worse than what you've already got, how do you feel? Bad. Right? This, my friend, is anxiety. That's 30 years of clinical experience in a nutshell. When we yeah. imagine, because we don't know what's coming, but when we imagine that it's going to be bad, worse than what we've already got, we feel anxiety. Yeah. It's true. true. Yeah. It's true. In fact, yesterday, my husband is going back to work tomorrow. And yesterday I was crying and I'm like, what am I going to do without you? What am I going to do? My mom's going to be here. She's going to help. But what am I going to do with the kids? And how am I going to survive this? What if my pain is worse? I immediately went to the, oh, no, next week's going to be horrible. Right. Which you don't know. Which, right. <laughs> but I've got a great imagination. I do. Yep. And I do. And I, and I, a lot of times I think, oh, no, like, I just have to think through what would be the worst thing that would happen. So I could know, could I get through that? What would I do if that happened? Yeah. 
Now, what happens, focus on the feelings again for a minute. And notice we're not changing anything about what it is. We're just doing mental work here. Right. What, what happens when you imagine or predict or expect or anticipate that what's coming is even better than what you've already got? How do you feel? Hopeful. This is how you can create hope on demand. Which, by the way, hope is also the number one preventative feeling for suicidal thinking and behavior. Hope is. Hope. Yeah. And we've lost too many people to an unnecessary hopelessness that comes when we anticipate that things are going to be worse. Right. They'll never get better. A bleak outcome. You already know, too, because we were talking about this as an artist, right? You have to imagine it first. Things don't just poof into existence. Right. They're created first mentally or spiritually or psychologically. And from there, we can go out and manipulate all the elements to build, create, manufacture something that matches the image in our mind. It's, a, it's an important step toward it. We have to be able to imagine it. Imagine, so I think what the gist of what you're kind of getting at, Dr. Paul, is you have to imagine a good life. You have to imagine. You don't have to. Or create it, right? Hey, it's an option. It's an option. But honestly, given your choice, what if I were to just put it out there like that? Carmen, would you like something better or, or, wait for it. Something worse. <laughs> of course, something better. You want a few minutes to think about that? Or yeah, no. Good. You're solid. That's pretty obvious. Yeah, of course we want something better. How are we going to create something better? We're going to imagine it, and then we're going to put our hands to work building what we imagine. Do you think that our thoughts have the power to actually speed up physical healing? Absolutely. And really? So, it, you know, thinking about, okay, I've got drains on. I am really hoping I can get these out tomorrow. They are painful. They hurt. They pull. And I have to have them under a certain amount of fluid to get them out. So if I imagine, oh, yeah, I'm going to heal. My body's going to slow down. I'll be able to get them out. They won't get infected. If I think that way, do you physically think that my body responds positively to those thoughts? Yes, and I would adjust that just a little. Okay. Because we've got two processes that are happening. I'm referring back to the model. Okay. okay. Valuation is first. Creation is second. So we start with a positive evaluation. Take the, you were using the example of the drains. Yeah. Okay? Why don't you just rip them out? Oh, I can't. They get infected. Okay, so they're there for a good reason. They're there for a reason. They are helping and assisting your body to heal. Yes. You with me? Yep. Now, notice that your brain is doing some different things with that. It's like, oh, I hate these. I don't want them. They're painful. They're different. Or you could say, I am so grateful for these. Acknowledging, yeah, they're uncomfortable. I got it. But when you put yourself in a position of gratitude, your body and your brain are now in position to move forward from that positive energy to create the next thing, which is the healing. So you put, it sounds counterintuitive, but you know what? I learned this with my son when he just got home from his mission. He had spent two years volunteer mission for a church in California and he came home. He wanted a car. Okay. Okay. 21-year-old kid, he wants wheels. And so I take him down to Mountain America Credit, where I've been banking since 1984. <laughs> and sit down with the loan officer. She's entering his information. She gets this dark look on her face. You don't qualify for this loan, she tells him. Big surprise. I mean, he's a ghost in the credit system. He has no work history, no credit. No, yeah. Right? 
So he didn't qualify for this little $3,000 loan that we're trying to get to get him a used car. So I throw my hat in the ring. Okay. And I'm like, Hey, how about if I co-sign on that for him? Yeah. She's all excited. She starts entering his, my information now. Yep. Carmen, she gets an even darker look on her face. And she tells me, sir, that makes it worse. No, I wasn't surprised. Remember the bankruptcy I told you about? Yep. Yeah. I was only like two years past bankruptcy. I didn't qualify for five cents, let alone three grand. Yeah. And I was kind of playing with her. All right. Because I knew I didn't qualify. Yeah. For another option, I reached into my jacket and I pulled out $3,000. I put it on the table, slid it over next to her. How about if I lend you the money, you give it to my son. And we both get to co-sign on the notes so we can repair our credit, build up, you know. Yep. And she's like, oh, yeah, we'll give you good rates on that. Easy, yeah. Here's what I learned from that. You can get the loan when you prove you don't need the money. Yeah. And that's painfully true if you'll think about it. Yep. The same thing applies with our lives, our relationships, psychologically. We can have the upgrade when we put ourselves in a position to know and feel that we don't need it. Our life is already good without it. And that's hard if you're in pain. Yeah. That's one of the most challenging things. But that's why I would say just a little adjustment to where you become grateful for the way it is right now without changing anything. You get your mind in that place and between the neurochemistry that's involved and the emotional impact that that can have, it prepares your body for the healing. And that sounds counterintuitive, but just remember the thing with my son getting alone and it will make more sense to you. Yep. You put your, your mind in a frame of, I am so pro profoundly grateful for my life right now, today, the way it is, drains and all. Do you feel that energetic shift? For sure. No, really. It's true. And then it's not magic. From there, your brain takes that energy to the creation mode. Because are you going to stay right here? No. You're not done yet. So you take that energy. I'm going to give you a brain hack for creation. You ready? Yes. Now, remember the, the gratitude one. In fact, let me, let me just put a little more detail on that. For gratitude, I would, I would encourage you to do 25-5. Five. five means five days. Starting today, you make a, a list of 25 things about this that you are sincerely grateful for. This specific trial. Well, you can have a few freebies, okay? In fact, okay. let's make sure half of your list is about the trial, the okay. challenge, the difficult thing. Okay. And everybody, you guys who are listening, if you've got something, right? You've got a difficult thing right now. If not, we can get you one. Think about your what it is. Half of your list, that's 13, at least 13 of those things on your list are about or from that. The other 12 can be freebies. Okay, puppies, rainbows, indoor plumbing. Those <laughs> are easy to be grateful for. We're asking your brain to do something different with it. So push yourself. 25 items each day for five days. Half of those are about your hard day. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay, that's the gratitude power up. Now, let me give you the brain hack for creation. And it's a different process. Okay, you're using the same imagination, but we're using it differently in creation than we are in evaluation. Here's the hack. I call it BB-8. Do you remember that little droid in Star Wars? Little yes. Oh, yeah, of course. That's yes. kind of how I, I remember it. How sure are you that 8 o'clock is coming? Look at your clock. How sure are you that 8 o'clock is coming? It will for sure come. Okay, pretty sure. How sure are you that you'll be around for 8 o'clock? I'm pretty sure. Almost <laughs> as? 
Yeah. Yeah. And you've got a hundred percent track record. You've made it to every eight o'clock so far. So I've, probably you're going to be around. Yeah. There's only two options. I've eliminated the third because I don't think it can be, I don't think it's possible even that things could be exactly the same at eight o'clock as they are right now. You agree? I agree. Hey, at least you're going to be a few hours older. Right. No, it only goes one direction. You might be more hungry, more tired, more sore. I don't know. Depends on what you did just before eight. But things are going to be different. And by your own evaluation or judgment, which you can't turn off, things have to be either better or worse. Yep. Eight o'clock by your own judgment. Now, if that's true, Carmen, we already did a little experiment to see if you could make things worse in the next half hour. Yes. You know you could. So BB-8 stands for better by eight. Better by eight. Okay. Better by eight. Can you think of something, some little thing, big thing? Totally up to you. It's your creation project that would make your life better by eight. And I, I'm not talking next week, next month, next year. I'm talking at eight o'clock. What comes to mind? What, what does that do to your brain? Yeah, I'm thinking, okay, I'll try to get up and walk around, maybe see if I could hobble into the shower and wash my hair so I look more presentable. Mm -hmm. Maybe have my boys come in my room and play a game with me so I don't feel so isolated in here by myself. Yeah, lots of things. Look at what your brain is doing. This is beautiful because who's going to create the upgrade? Yeah, me. It's you. And, and when you invite yourself to think of something, and it could be like for you, Carmen, in your recovery and in your health, that's where, where you're focused. But it could be finances. It could be a relationship. It could be any aspect of your life. You invite your brain to come up with a way to make it better by eight. And what if it's 8 o'clock at night? Do you do it for 8 o'clock in the morning? There's another one coming. Okay. <laughs> You're not. Hey, you do this for the same five days, you get to have 10 upgrades. Oh, awesome. How does that feel? Great. Hopeful. Yes. Which is my whole point. This is what positivity is, okay? It's not just think positive. It's get clear about what your brain is doing. And yep. that's why I created the model. And for those of you who didn't catch it already, drpauljenkins.com forward slash doing good. And I'll give you a copy of this model so that you'll have visual reference. It's the instruction manual for operating the equipment. And, and I can tell you this. I know a lot of our audience is very faith-based and faith-driven. Yep. This is my psychological take on faith what it actually is. You know, we use that word a lot too. Oh, just have faith. Sure. As if we know what it means. When you understand what your brain is doing, you can actually take intentional control and exercise choice over that process. So I use the terms faith and positivity interchangeably. And that will give a little different perspective too. What does it mean to have faith? Well, what we've been talking about here today. Yeah, exactly. Does that help, Carmen? It totally helps. It really does. And and it's simple. It, it's very simple, but not necessarily easy. Like, it'll probably take me a minute to, even though I'm, I know what I need to do, not then, okay, yeah, but I actually really still do hurt. Actually, I really am still hungry and nothing sounds good because I'm nauseous and Oh, wait, like, I'm, I think I'm, it's going to be something I'm going to have to constantly be adjusting. And, oh, wait, no, I'm not thinking negatively. I'm thinking positively because it's easy to slip back into the, never mind, this really just does suck and I'm going to crawl back under my covers and not do anything. Yeah. We're up against our programming, and I love what you just said, that it's simple. Simple and easy are not the same thing. Yeah. Yep. As I can tell you, learning finish is simple. Yes. But it's not easy. But it's not easy. 
And we're working against some of our old programming. We're working against gravity. Have you noticed this when you park your car on a hill and leave the brake off? Which direction does it roll? Down. Yeah. <laughs> you never hear someone falling up. We have to remember that default is down. The default is down. That's true. And that's true psychologically, too. If we are not intentionally moving it in a positive direction, it naturally will get sucked down. Oh, interesting. That's so true in every aspect of life, I think. Check your finances or your workout routine. If you let go of those things, which direction do they go? Yeah. Our yep. relationships, right? So default is down. Elevation requires effort. Don't be surprised if it takes a little work. And that's why I've created the models and coaching programs around it. It's, it's my mission to help people understand how to operate the equipment of their own mind. And then everything changes from there. That's where we get to be in choice and start doing what I call live on purpose, right? I love that. And I, I think it's so amazing that and I'm there's I know people that have listened to you and and to speak and that you have helped just change lives positively. I just I think it's so great that this is your mission of doing good is literally doing good by spreading positivity and helping people realize, oh, there is hope because I that's the biggest thing. It's like if my husband, and I sometimes say after a long week, like, oh, we just need something to look forward to. Let's plan a date night for Friday. We need something to look forward to. Let's let's plan a vacation next month. Because you do, you really do need that hope and that bright just light of it's going to get better. It's going to get we're we're gonna get through this no matter what. But it's easy to get stuck in the I can't or how or and I know there's lots of people that are maybe listening that ha do have medical conditions which make it difficult to think positively. And of course, that's when you can speak to your psychiatrist or doctor about medication that can help aid you in that. Because sometimes your brain, as much as you want to, it, it doesn't allow that all the time. And so if once you can kind of take care of yourself physically and get healthy, then you'll be able to take care of your mind as well and to think positively. There's so many resources. And as you're talking about hope, we need a little more of that in the world. Yes. A little more hope, a little more gratitude. Those are our two brain hacks, gratitude and hope. Yep. And, and when we realize, oh, I'm not going to find hope, I'm going to make it. Yes. That's good news. That is good news because it does sometimes seem just, you know, elusive. Like, is that the right word I'm on? Agree. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do I grab onto that? But if you think, oh, wait, but the power is in me. And in fact, one of my favorite scriptures is Doctrine and Covenants, section 58. And it talks about that, that says, wherein men are agents unto themselves, the power is in them. It, it literally is. And, and that's talking about to be anxiously engaged in a good cause. But, I, but the power is in us to physically change our circumstances by thinking positively and that that wow that really is powerful to think it's up to me it, it's up to me no one's going to do it for me no one's going to sometimes they'll bring me food and make me happy or they'll here let me give you a massage or let me take your kids for a while or whatever that's all wonderful but ultimately it's up to us to create that and that's powerful yes i'm so grateful dr paul that you've taken the time to come on the podcast today and share with us this amazing positive. I'm honestly going to use that today. 25 things and BB-8. I'm going to remember that and and seriously see how my day turns around. I'm going to put it to the test. And if, and if for those listening, that model again is drpauljenkins.com forward slash doing good. You can check out that positivity model and see how it works in your life and see if you can make a difference in just thinking positively. Think of that BBA, write down things you're grateful for and see if it doesn't make a difference in your day. Dr. Paul, thank you so much yes. again for taking the time to explain all this to us and for all the good you are doing.
Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Carmen, for doing good, even from your recovery bed. <laughs> even from my recovery bed, my scratchy voice. That's Aren't you right. grateful you can. I'm just grateful that I was able to speak with awesome. you today. This, this was, I always say, all my podcasts are really, they're kind of selfish. They're all for me. So it's like, well, hypothetically, what if one of my kids was whatever? And it's so fun to talk to people because really I'm just getting advice from my life and hopefully people listening are able to learn something from theirs too. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, go put it to use, test it. Don't take my word for it. You go yeah. test it. Let's do it. And, and see that it works. I love it. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Dr. Paul. You're welcome.